This episode is powered by Safety FM. Welcome to the Safety Consultant Podcast. I'm your host, Sheldon Primus. It's a podcast where I teach you the business of being a safety consultant. So today, we're actually going to be talking with someone who knows about gas monitoring to such a degree that he teaches people about all the different types of gas monitors. And it's just a specialty from gas monitor competence training. And our guest is going to be Jason Call. So Jason Call is an internationally known speaker in safety and construction. He speaks English, Spanish, French, and Portuguese. He holds an MBA from the Thunderbird School of Global Management. And throughout his lifetime, he's also served as a territory sales manager for Honeywell's BW Technologies. That's the kind of gas detector I used to end up using when I was actively in the field. And he also works with um, Mr. Howard Light, who hired him years back to help him with the airplugs project. Right? And there's even more about that. So stay tuned after the episode. And I've got just a little preview of something. So today, watch out! What we really talked about is uh, we kind of went over just a lot about his uh, career, how he got into the business, all the different things that he was doing as far as uh, in the field. And then we talked about uh, how he branched out on his own. And Jason was one of the people that was truly instrumental in something that is called erosion control. He invented a device called the storm slide, and it's still being used by the U.S. Forest Service. So uh, this has just been like really cool for me uh, to get a hold of him. And I got a very special announcement after the episode, so please stay tuned. So without any further ado, we are going to go ahead and get into the conversation with Jason Call, Gas Monitor Competence Training. See you on the back end. Well, my name is Jason Call. I live here in Southern California. I've been here pretty much all my life, except in short periods of living in Mexico City and Ecuador and uh, Thunderbird in in Arizona, the graduate school. But I uh, got into safety in 1994. I, uh, I, I, well, where do I start? Oh my gosh. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah, I uh, started after I graduated from Thunderbird, the international management school. Uh, and I had already spoken Spanish and French at that time. Uh, Howard Light hired me and Howard wanted me to open up all of Mexico. So I opened up all of Mexico and this is 94. And then um, at the end of uh, 95, the peso hit fell through the floor. And so he said, go do the same thing in Canada. And actually, when he hired me, he didn't know that I spoke French. He just was focused on, you know, Mexico. And at that time, we were doing 
a whopping $80,000 in Mexico. And I opened that thing, just blasted it open. Um, and I did the same thing in Canada. And they were calling him saying, thanks for sending this French speaker. He said, who are you talking about? He said, I didn't know you spoke French. So I was doing training in Quebec and uh, French. And I said, well, you never asked. <laughs> so, uh, so I blew up uh, Canada for Howard. And then I came in, I ran all of marketing. For, for Howard Light Hearing Protection. And then the company was sold off. He uh, he sold it to Baku, which later became known as Spirian, which is now Honeywell. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I actually left the safety industry for a while. I was the owner of the Stormslide erosion control product. I was in drainage pipe and erosion control uh, and uh, reinforcing mats and things like that for a while for civil engineering. And... Uh, then the door opened up again. Uh, my path crossed with Sean Meehan, whom I had met uh, in, in the, during the, the Howard Light early days. And uh, he said, where have you been? Come on back here in the safety industry. And, you know, people had told me, once you're in safety, you don't leave. And uh, they said that when I was leaving, they said, you'll be back. And sure enough, I got in the <laughs> safety industry track tractor beam and pulled back in. So I was the BW Honeywell guy for nine plus years and for Southern California and Arizona. And when I first came on board, they didn't have competitive information. So I kind of took it upon myself to become the the walking, breathing library of competitive information. People would call me throughout the Americas saying, hey, how do I compete with product X and product Y? And I knew all the the weaknesses and strengths and uh, which buttons, what the buttons do, what's on the screen. And uh, so I was able to help out everybody. And I also trained uh, in Mexico City, for both the uh, the Honeywell folks there who do the phone technical mm-hmm. service, customer service, but I also trained the military in Mexico. Uh, unbeknownst to me, I was training the people who were uh, raiding the meth labs and stuff in the cartels, and so I'm glad to be safe. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you are right there in the harm's way then. Yeah, I guess so. You know, I'm sure they're watching those doors that who goes in and who goes out of there. But uh, I've really had just a wonderful time. I left Honeywell. You know, they I, I left them. They didn't leave me. And uh, I have great friends there. I still really love the people there. Um, but I started GasMonitorCompetence.com. GasMonitorCompetence.com is... where you can get training on all the different brands and models of monitors because, and and the thing that fueled this business was that when I used to get called out to do training on the gas monitors, it was almost always right on the tail of confined space entry training. And I realized OSHA confined space entry training doesn't include the use of the monitor. It's not their fault. There's no way they're going to include that for every model and brand. So yeah, I started doing that and it's just been wonderful. I, uh, you know, I think uh, the week after next, I have 10 classes. I've got classes here and there set up. I was doing it all on uh, in, in person and then COVID pushed it to online and online's gone 
surprisingly well. I thought it was going to be harder, but no, it's, it's done very well. And then pretty soon I'm going to have an on-demand online one where you can just log in and do it at yeah. your own pace. So Excellent. things are going well. <laughs> yeah. And I, uh, as, as we were talking earlier, briefly, those of you that are just coming in and listening to the podcast, uh, you know, I'm coming from the, the background of water and wastewater and specifically the wastewater side. So uh, even in OSHA's documentation, they say how with wastewater operators, there's even the sewer entry part that they say, you normally are doing this stuff anyway. So you guys are a little different than other people. So I can't, uh, I kind of look at your, your, your business and I'm thinking, where were you, <laughs> you know, back in 94 when I got started like you? And uh, that was awesome that you're, you're even doing that. And wastewater is one of my biggest clients. Um, yeah. you know, I was the guy who sold uh, Los Angeles County wastewater on the gas monitors and Orange County gas, Orange County over here in California, mm-hmm. not Orlando, uh, yeah. gas monitors there. And uh, I mean, large organizations and utilities and yeah, but wastewater is, is a huge uh, client for me. Yeah. Very, very uh, active in that area. Yeah, because that's what we do all the time. And through when I when I first was getting into the the mindset of uh, becoming a consultant and, and getting out of where I was with a, a special district in the state of Florida, I was thinking, I know confined space entry and I know utilities. Let's start there. So that's why your uh, your your um, your business, especially with the compliance training on the gas detector being uh, specialized, I like that because. Uh, when I get called in to do training, uh, like you, most of my clients are cities and counties. So I get called in to do this training. And while I'm on the phone with them, the first thing in my mind is, all right, what are you using for gas detector, right? <laughs> what do you, and they hardly ever bring that up when it comes to, you know, what do you need for, for training and all that? So is that what you've been seeing as well, where people are getting confined space entry training, but they're not getting enough training on just this most important component, the gas detector. Right, right. They, they do the confined space entry training. Hats off to them. You got to do that. My course covers, uh, like a, it's a, it, it starts off really with a refresher on a lot of the confined space entry stuff. I'm not a confined space entry trainer, but I, I bring it all down to very easy, very quick, laser focused, uh, staying far away from brain frying grit and getting too scientific. Um, and then I go into the actual use of the monitor, no matter which monitor you're using, we can dig into that and I can show them because the monitors are as different from each other as Samsung is from Apple. So a lot of these guys get the confined space entry training and then the company says, oh, okay, here's your gas monitor. Oh no, here's uh, your gas monitor. And they're totally different from each other. Yeah. And they just say, okay, go in the hole. It is not that easy. And so that's, that's where I come in. Yeah, correct. And um, I was also thinking, since you are the person that can go into the weeds, and uh, and I know a lot of my uh, my audience may be authorized OSHA instructors, or they may actually be doing confined space entry. Um, for the technical side, we're always told, you know, about our gas detectors and and making sure, first of all, that you're going to calibrate them and you're going to make sure it's bump tested before each use. Um, the importance of that and the bump testing, we're always told 
primarily is you're testing to make sure that your gas detector sensor is going to work today <laughs> when you need it. Is that a primary reason? Is there a secondary reason? Well, the scariest gas monitor on the planet is the one that people think is working and is not working. And the only way that you can tell that that's doing its job today is by hitting it with some gas and making it scream at you. And that's what you want. Most, I'd say 90% of my customers are using the basic four gases. Occasionally, there's somebody who's doing VOCs or something, so they need that second bottle. But um, they've got to hit it with gas at least once a day. You know, back in the old days, everybody used to say, all the manufacturers used to say, periodically, frequently, and they yeah. would just leave it at that. Nowadays, everybody says, says before each day's use. Um, I also suggested if you don't know the guy who was using it before you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. If you could actually have a gas monitor that turns on, the green light's flashing, it, it looks and feels and sounds just fine, and it's not doing its job. Let's say, for example, I had this at one of the biggest sanitation districts. They said they didn't need my training. They had the inside guy. Well, the inside guy decided to wipe them all down with alcohol wipes before, you know, for COVID, before the training killed a bunch of sensors. Now, if somebody cleaned it with the, you know, with something other than water that can really damage them, those monitors will start up and look and feel and sound just fine. But that that sensor could be sealed up or it could be not working and you would never know it's not working until you actually do a bump. That's the only way. And bump and calibration is like the very basic of of what people should know. I mean, I go into a lot of other things like, you know, what do you do when the thing's acting funny and you've got a zealous inspector who comes along and says, you know, show me that this thing's going to work right, fix it, or else I'm going to shut down the job. I can show people real quick ways of fixing that. And yeah, there's there's a lot, a lot yeah. more to it. Yeah. And then uh, you'll be surprised how many people or organizations I've come to and there is no Cal gas on site. And the reason why is because they believe what they'll do is just send it out for calibration. Just, you know, whenever the meter needs calibration, we'll send it out to calibration. And that's the only time the meter is going to see calibration gas is during that time period. How dangerous is that? Just go ahead and, and tell the audience, how dangerous is that mindset? Well, there's a couple of things. Sometimes you go to a place and there's no cow gas at all. But the other one that I've run, I run into all the time is they bring out their gas monitors for the training. I open up the little box. I pull out the bottle and it says, oh, uh, <laughs> uh, expired two years ago or something. Yeah, no um, kidding. <laughs> and you aren't kidding. I mean, two years, one year to two years. Some, that's That's realistic. A, a bottle that's beyond its expiration is okay for just a qualitative bump test, just to make sure the monitor is going to sniff the gases and scream at, it, at you when it does. But for calibration, you can't use that. So there's actually a few different situations. I actually, this is my sort of copyrighted thing for 
the four calibration situations. Well, of course, number one is whenever the monitor tells you to. Whenever you turn on a monitor, it's going to tell you when the next calibration is due. Yeah. And then there's um, if the monitor ever fails, like a, a bump test. That's not one of them. But um, if the monitor ever if you try to clear it out with a hard zero or a fresh air cal and that doesn't fix the problems, that is a uh, calibration situation. And there's a couple of other situations, you know, you, you, uh, you're going to run into these situations occasionally. And I, I go over those in the course. Yeah. Uh, and surely that's, that's the information that they need. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about uh, people who may, maybe using their gas detectors improperly. So here's the things that I see the most that, that I call improper. So correct me since you're the, the specialist and, and now I get to be the student here. Uh, I tell the workers, especially if they're in a lift station or something, uh, they may actually have their gas detector uh, in a stationary spot and then everyone's working around it and you don't know how you know far they are as far as you know, being in the circumference of this or the actual can that they're in or the vessel that they're in. So that practice to me is high risk where you're sharing the one meter and it's in a location that's where you think it's central. Generally, it's dangling from something or it's being put on a check valve or putting on on, on something similar to that uh, for a pump that's not operating. What, again, is the flaw in that thinking? Well, by the law of diffusion, the the gas levels are going to be about the same here and here and here and here and here and all around you, but within a reasonable radius. If I put that thing too far from me, well, now it's not protecting me. It could be, I could be too far away from that thing. So it's always good to have it on you and it has to be good. I would say within, you know, within just a couple of feet. Of you now, there used to be where people would say you have to wear it in the breathing zone, which was you know ten inches from your mouth. And right. Because of the law of diffusion, that's actually I I don't really follow that because it could be a couple of feet away from you and you're okay. Um, the one that uh, that gets me is when there's a guy at the top of the manhole with a monitor and he's looking at the monitor and the hose is going down into the manhole. And there's another guy in the manhole without a monitor, depending on the guy outside. Of yeah, the absolutely. Hole. You know, well, that guy's on a cigarette break. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All he's saying is the bottom of the hose. And he doesn't know that the, the attachment, the actual meter is empty is it has no one there. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, one of the things that a lot of people do, but there's always a question about, can I drop the monitor on a rope down into the manhole before I to check the manhole before I go in there? Well, yes, you can. It's legal. OSHA doesn't like it. I heard a representative from Cal OSHA, California OSHA, and I asked the question during his presentation. This was very early on in my career, and he said, No, 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 don't do that. But it's it's legal. The reason they don't like it is because. You've got that monitor down on the in the hole on a rope. It goes beep, 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 and you don't know which gas it is or how much because the screen's down there and your eyeballs are up in your head. And the, but the reason that they're okay with it is if you is you can pull up that monitor, and every monitor has a different way of showing the peak exposures. 
And, you know, that's another thing I teach because every monitor is different on how you expose those peaks. Yeah. So once you can see those peaks, then it's, then, then OSHA says, it's okay to do that. Now, what you can't do is, and I did have a contractor tell me they did this. They had a gas monitor without a pump and they were doing confined space entry. They were doing manhole entries. And I said, well, how do you check for methane under the pick hole of the manhole before you open the manhole? They said, oh, we just set the thing down on the hole. And I said, no, you can't, you can't do that. It's like yeah, the yeah. opposite of ketchup. The ketchup is not going to come out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. So, no, you now, have to have a hose and a pump to check that properly. You think they're wondering on on some form of um, of passive, um, some passive... I guess it might be diffusion, if you will. Uh, how's that possible without a pump, though? Well, methane is like helium, so it will rise. The thing is, is that it's you're expecting it to rise through that hole into an atmosphere that is heavier than it. So it's the it's just like the opposite of ketchup. Why is ketchup not come out when you turn it over? Because you need something to displace it. You need air to enter that bottle for the ketchup. Yeah. Exact same thing. You need something to go into that hole to, to push pull it back or push it out or pull it out of that hole. And setting the monitor, you know, on top of the hole ain't going to do the trick. Yeah. And so with that defunct, if you will, the theory that there is some passive uh, filtering into the system to the sensor by just placing it, even if it's inside of the tank, let's say instead of on top of the tank, it's inside of the vessel. If it's inside, that would be okay. The thing is, is it's impossible to open that manhole cover to get that thing in there is if you open a manhole cover, you know, you yeah. get a real exciting day. Kaboom. Right. So that's what you're checking for. You're checking for, you know, to prevent kaboom from happening. <laughs> and uh, and you've got the thing in your hand that's going to help you prevent it. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, have you ever, um, and, and I, I'm fairly sure I, I know this answer, but just for, for our audience sake, uh, have the thought process, let's say it this way, the thought process of when you're, uh, let's say it is an entry that you need to to descend. So something similar to a manhole or, or some sort of vat or tank or something, and it's a descent. So what I have seen and taught against is people pulling, putting their gas detector on a rope, lowering it to each one of the stratospheres of this tank, and then quickly pulling it up and then getting the reading and then lowering it down some more to where they think is the middle, then pull it up and then they'll get that reading and then they'll lower it down and more to, you know, the lower and do the same process. Um, you're supposed to do two minutes at each level. And really you don't have to be pulling it up and the back down and up and the back down, as long as you're doing the thirds and those, you know, if, if you have a, if you have a manhole that's less than, let's say, 12 feet deep, because each of those stratospheres, each of those sections has to be four feet max. So you could go top section, two minutes, just let it sit there for two minutes, drop it in to the middle for two minutes, drop it into the bottom for two minutes. And I always tell the guys during my training, it's going to feel like forever, but you got to <laughs> do it. You can't be cutting those corners. But yeah, it's. Uh, it's legal to do. And if the monitor ever does go into alarm, 
you'll be able to bring it up and you'll be able to, you know, find out what the peak exposures were. And then a good monitor will allow you to clear it out and do it again. Wow. And now all that, just that phrasing of your answer made me think of something else. So what are we calling good monitor versus inferior monitor? So what's, what's the difference or, or what, what should you be looking for when you're selecting a gas monitor and what should you avoid? You know, there are no bad monitors on the market. They're actually all really good nowadays. When I first got into it, well, gosh, when I first got into it, I was, I was trained in 1999 by uh, the, the gas monitor guru, Bob Henderson, who is now president of GFG. And uh, back then, and even when I first started with Honeywell, there were monitors out there that their their water resistance was real low or their battery technology was still kind of old style. Had Mm -hmm. like, you remember the walkie talkies where you had to make sure they were completely empty before putting them on the charger. It would clean the battery. They had those. Uh, So yeah, they had sensor technology that wasn't very good. Their accuracy was way off. Um, But nowadays, Everybody seems to be really sharp on all that stuff. The technology is so good. Uh, even the 30-day calibration is probably too much. Most of the monitors out there, you can calibrate every 180 days because there's not even that much float on it. Wow. Nowadays, because of the sensor technology, believe it or not, and this is one right here in my hand, there are a couple of manufacturers that have four gas monitors not with a pump, you'd need too much battery for it to be a pump, but no pump, four gases. You turn it on, it stays on for two years. You never even need to charge it. Wow. These are for guys who work like in the picture behind you. And yeah. in a well, for mm-hmm. every day, all day, they got to use these things. And you don't want the worker to be able to get in there and you know mess around with it. It's either on or it's off. And those things last two years. So there's some great technology. Um, I would say that you really got to look at the user interface. Um, Play with it. Make sure you're playing with your monitors and really getting a good idea of, if you're shopping for monitors, test drive two or three at least kinds and see, does, does this really make intuitive sense? To press this button for it to do that, and press that button for it to do this. And is there some strange combination of buttons that I need to know in order to just turn it off or turn it on or yeah. show me the peak exposures or something like that? But it's nowadays it's that's where the key is. It's user interface and how easy and how user friendly and intuitive it, it is or isn't. And what about the Bluetooth technology where now you can have a monitoring station, if you will, for several different uh, devices. How's that like affected the market now? Yeah, things like uh, people like Industrial Scientific, MSA just announced their new one at the National Safety Congress yesterday. Um, you've got BW Honeywell and Ray Systems. Ray Systems was one of the leaders in it. Um, they have monitors now which have cell uh, cellular capability internally and it's a subscription but the monitor is sitting there on your on your belt and it can 
it can, when it goes into alarm or even before it goes into alarm, somebody a hundred miles away could go on their computer and see what's going on with Joe's gas monitor in Timbuktu. And if it goes into a, an alarm, it'll show you which alarm, you know, how long it's been an alarm, which gas it is, um, how long it's been into alarm, where the guy's location is. And then it also has the capability for the worker to press the button saying, I'm okay, or I'm not okay. Wow. Also uh, man down alarm. So if that monitor goes into alarm and it ain't moving, it's time to send somebody out there. So, in, and all that stuff is available now. It's, um, I think, one of the problems at the beginning when that first came out was a lot of false alarms or like, you know, the, 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 the supervisor who's 20 miles away is getting an alarm because the guy's battery is low or something like that, yeah, yeah. Or, or he blocked the, the pump or something. But nowadays they've gotten a lot better and kind of um, not eliminated, but really cut down on those false alarms. So they're more, much more reliable and that's only getting better. Hmm. Wow. Um, and thank you for, for the, you know, the explanation of that and, and helping people look, look out for that. And I would imagine if it's um subscription service, you want to make sure that you're buying the right, uh, the right level of subscriptions, depending on how many people do entries. Um, on, I know for, for your business per se, and, and then the business model, because a lot of, of the audience are, are either entrepreneurs themselves or trying to to find a way to to start their own consulting business or at least service to go with it uh when did you decide that that this is this is my moment i, I gotta take this what what led you to that really it was during covid i uh, had a short stint with uh because i i left the 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 honeywell business and i did a little um it was like a a due diligence study for a fall protection company out here in California, just a six month due diligence study. And um, then COVID hit. I was like, "Uh Oh, now what do I do? And so, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. And yeah. I've always had this in the back of my mind though. I mean, I've had the back, this in the back of my mind, probably since my second year at Honeywell, I was like, there's a big need here. And so I just started making phone calls and I just started putting it together. And then I put the, the website together and I started getting really involved in social media and it just kind of grew from there and it's still growing. It was, but yeah, it was, it was COVID more than anything. And at the very beginning of COVID, when I first started doing it, everything was in person and then as you know, shortly after there, people were like, oh, can't have people in. So that's when I figured out how to do it on Zoom or Google. And yeah, it was actually uh, pretty easy to do. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and pretty soon I'm going to have that self-paced online course on demand. Like throughout your career, when you get faced with those um, imposter syndrome, and I, I know it's it's hard to even fathom that with with your type of career and and the things that you, the ways that you've been exposed to high level um, activity and even companies. But do you ever have to to struggle with that? And if do, how do you get past an imposter? Like, um, like I, who am I to be presenting here? Who am I to uh, for for me to to give them 
this actual thing is being follow this, this will lead you in the right path. Uh, that that kind of mindset. Well, no, that that actually went away as soon. I I think at the very beginning when I first got this idea, when I was in my second year with BW, I was like, look, I, I recognize that there was this big need. Part of me was thinking that no, somebody has to be doing that out there. That that has to be so. I I must be just imagining <laughs> yeah. that this isn't actually being taken care of by the market or somebody out there. And there are actually a lot of people who will train on the monitors. There's a lot of um, like confined space entry trainers who will train on the monitor, but they're very rare. My hat goes off to them. They're doing a great job uh, that they're usually uh, involved in one or two particular lines. And there are distributors who will do training, but they only train on the monitors that they carry. Um, most distributors will, will, you know, just say, hey, go to the manufacturer and do it, have them do it. Well, the manufacturers, and it's not their fault at all. The distributors got way too much on their plate. They got to know everything from hard hats to steel toe shoes and everything in between. There's no way they're going to focus on gas monitors. And then the manufacturers, if you're buying a big fleet of monitors, well, sure, the guy will go out there and, and train you. Um, but if you're buying two monitors or if you Let's say a year goes by and you need some refresher. You got a couple of new hires, somebody like that. It's it's really hard for these guys to, you know, put a put you know stop doing what they're supposed to be doing, which is selling, and then go train. A lot of people yeah. will like. I was one of those guys that when I was with Honeywell, I was the guy who would just drive for three hours to train two guys, you know. But uh, that wasn't probably wasn't the best use of my time. <laughs> Sorry, I hired people that came only to do to, to two of my guys training. So uh, you, you helped little guys like me. <laughs> and the imposter thing comes in also because I was like, well, all this information is available in manuals and other YouTube videos and like that stuff like that. But then I was like, who wants to go and scour for hours all of those things? And there are things that I teach that are not in manuals and they're not in YouTube videos and things like that. And so, and, and again, there are some YouTube videos that are two minutes long and are great. There are some that are 20 minutes long and say the same things that the two minute video said. And it's really hard to find the right training on the gas monitors. So, you know, that's, the imposter thing goes right out the window when you realize, especially when you start getting a bunch of repeat customers, we liked your training so much, we're going to have you come out again and train this group and that group. And that's when you realize, wow, I'm really bringing value to the table. Yeah, absolutely. And um, from the wastewater side, since we are the industry that does this on a day in and day out basis, from the nightmare scenarios I've seen with cities and counties throughout the country. Uh, technically, people know what to do as far as knowing that they need gas monitoring for an entry, and they are aware of the monitors through generally uh, the person they purchase it from. They may end up getting someone from that company to come in and teach them, hey, you just bought this monitor, here's how to use it. But that's about it. 
<laughs> we just said it. We just bought this monitor. And when you just buy it, then they'll come out and say, yeah. And, you know, it's just hard. It's not their fault. It's just hard to get out there a year later with new hires or somebody and, and redo that training. It's, yeah, that's that's where where I really yeah. can. Yeah. Uh, for, I know we only got like, uh, like four gases that we normally deal with for, for us in the wastewater side. And I know uh, in the past, I used to use the, I don't know if you remember the old uh, monitoring systems that uh, one of the brand names was Drager, but you used to have to pull the the little handle and like a syringe and suck yeah. in uh, a portion of the air into the vessel. And once you start seeing the gas meet the uh, reagent, then all of a sudden you're like, oh yeah, the color is telling me that I have this amount of chlorine. That was the gas I was using it for. Uh, is is there any like uh, like relations in any way to that technology to the technology and the gas detectors well there are different technology one's electrochemical and one's just you know straight chemical um like uh on the tubes the gas tubes that you're you're talking about that where you break the little piece of glass and you yeah 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 the vacuums yeah it changes color um now that obviously is a single use so once it's used, you can't use it again. And the the gas monitors, the sensors are yeah, they're they're a different technology. But there are a lot of gases that the tubes can do that a lot of the uh, sensors can't do. I'm not sure right off the top of my head which gases. I I know there were several. Every once in a while, I would get a phone call when I was selling the gas monitors. Hey, can you guys do gas X? And then I would find out that yeah no we don't have a sensor for that but there is a tube for it and so that's when that would come in and drager drager was always the go-to on those yeah um can you guys can, can like uh like for for the audience having to deal with stuff like specific gravity and 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 density and trying to figure out heavier than air lighter than air is this is this substance when we're looking at it that's density is this density for air? Is this density an equivalent of water? Uh, how do you guys figure all that stuff out? I, I don't get too much into that. I just okay. get into the operation of the monitor itself. Yeah. And I do talk about the basics of the most common gases. So I'll talk about the uh, the, the the levels of, you know, the, the alarm levels, um, highs and lows. You know, I coming come to think of it, I don't really get into the high and low alarm levels, I get into the low and then I get into what's the proper response to the alarm. There's a reason I'm not mentioning the high in this class, guys, because if it goes into alarm, it really doesn't matter if it's (laughs) high or low. You want to respond to that and get your rear end out of there. Yeah, but as far, and and then like I said earlier, I don't get into the the chemistry. I don't get into the scientific, scientific part of the gases themselves. I'm really focused on the people who actually have to use the monitors because the guys who are in the gas monitor or in the, in the confined space, you know, it's, it's not that important how many atoms there are in a hydrogen sulfide molecule, for example. <laughs> and I know that a lot of training can go there and guys will just, the eyes will just glaze over. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. That's the truth. Uh, how's it been with YouTube? You can do oh your YouTube gosh. channel and, and, and getting that going. How do you, how, how does that set with you now that you're, you're in that medium? 
I just had this crazy idea. Okay. And I, and it had to be separate from my business because when you do something on YouTube, see, I'm, I'm the adventurous gas monitor guy. If you go to YouTube and look up the adventurous <laughs> gas monitor guy, there I am. And I have about, I don't know, 14 videos or something like that. And when you put that out there, especially on interest groups, on interest groups, you can't do something that promotes your own business. They, that's not good form. Yeah. And so it's just, it's, it's separate from my business. It doesn't promote my business. It's just tips and tricks on gas monitors and gases and the science around it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so the thing was, how do I put out tips and tricks on gas monitors and make it interesting? Hey, I've got an idea. I'll do it from beautiful locations. That's what it is. So I've got videos from Sedona and Yosemite and Joshua. Oh, yeah. and I went crazy one morning and I got this idea and I woke up, I was awake like three in the morning and I live about three hours from Joshua Tree. So I was like, I'm going to drive to Joshua Tree. I did two videos in Joshua Tree and then drove, did one video or two videos in Big Bear Lake. And then I drove to Laguna Beach and did oh my. two videos there. And for those of did you- Did you bring your change of shirt? <laughs> yes, <laughs> I did. And and for those who are familiar with the area, they're gonna their jaws are gonna drop. You did that's a lot of mileage right there. Yeah, in one day. And then the ones I like so much are the ones in Sedona and the Grand Canyon and uh, Yosemite was a blast. And riding off those miles in hotel rooms is a real blast too. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. And truly, I my wife and I were full time RVers as well. So uh, when we 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 like try to do as much as we can out in the field out outside versus actually, you know, I'll have to present inside and then I'll turn off the zoom or turn over wherever I'm, I'm instructing. And then I'm hitting whatever is the, the beautiful outside. <laughs> and that's, that's the plan, right? Last week I was in uh, Guanajuato and Querétaro, Mexico. My great grandmother was born in Guanajuato. That's no, it's not beach city, Guanajuato, uh, beach city, Mexico. It's like middle of the country. Okay. And it's so beautiful. And I was like, oh, I should have brought my tripod. I should have done a couple of videos here. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was thinking about maybe doing it in Spanish too. So absolutely. Why not? You, you got Portuguese and French. Why not? <laughs> Yeah, I could do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, might as well. And are you like working the um uh, and, and again for the, for those listening, you you know that you know you have to build your business sometimes in some ways you're going to have to branch out and and get your name out or else you'll have a whole bunch of good stuff just sitting there waiting to to be used, <laughs> if you will. Uh so how'd you get over that that hump with learning technology, learning the social media, learning what you can do and can't do when you're in groups? Yeah. How is that learning process? You know, oh my gosh, that is just a, it's just a, yeah, like you said, it's a process. It's just step by step. There are people you can hire who will know what they're doing right off the bat. And I am working with one now, like just recently, but this whole time that I've built everything, it's all been on my own. And yeah, um, how do you, how do you create a video? How do you post it? How do you get it on? Should I put it on YouTube or should I put it, just share it 
from a Dropbox link onto the social media or how do I, yeah, it can be really complicated. At first, it's really, uh, really intimidating and overwhelming, but then you just kind of just learn by making mistakes. And yeah. Yeah. It's, it's actually a very quick learning curve, quite frankly. Yeah, it is. And and usually when you're doing this, you know the end in mind, you know that you want to get them to your website. So you have to develop that or you know that you need some training out of it. So, you know, eventually uh, they call that the sales funnel, if you will, to, to get people to your site. First, they have to introduce yourself to them through something and your videos are a great way to do that. And then as they come in and they follow, there they should be some closure, right? <laughs> so that's yeah. that's the sales funnel, as they call it. And so learning that is a whole process in itself, isn't it? Right. But like on the gas monitor, the, the adventurous gas monitor YouTube channel, there's nothing that leads somebody to my website or my business. It's only uh, at the very end, it'll say, make like, um, if you want training, just Google gas monitor competence or gas detector competence training. There's a few people out there who will do it. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing is, is that when people Google that, they're probably going to be sent my way yeah Um, and if not they'll you know they'll eventually find their way to me so i i don't really use that as a yeah yeah well there's show notes and and all the other things that if you wanted to you could leave them there so uh it's it's a way of just saying for more information this is where you go yeah (laughs) and then sometimes on on social media i will uh i will post as because I, I will post personally, like what I did today, my adventure today was I trained this wastewater group in whatever, Texas. Um, and then I will also post that as gas monitor competence training uh, business. I have gas monitor competence training business page on Facebook and LinkedIn. And so I'll post it there as well. So I'll post it personally on LinkedIn personally on Facebook, and then as the business on those areas. And then I'll post it personally on all of those interest groups, on all of those platforms. Yeah, and it really just takes time. It's energy. It's part of your day. You're going to end up having to write that in as being, you know, uh, social media time and schedule that. And then truly, uh, that's the component of running your business that sometimes people may not see, but it is like the little cog that you you have in the back of your head that's saying, oh yeah, I got to make sure I'm still relevant. <laughs> if you know. I, I do keep a list, a written list of every, you know, posting it as personally, posting it as this, posting it. And I have, it. it's called um, social media post checklist. And I just say all of the ones, so I don't miss anything. And then later on you go, you get a phone call and you're like, oh my gosh, did I already post it on that one or that one? You'll, you'll forget. See, it's so important to have that checklist. And it yeah. does take a lot of time. It's easy, but it's like a bajillion clicks and it's tedious. And you're going to be real, like people who are getting into it, you're going to be real excited to do it the first few times. And then after a while, you're going to be like, oh my gosh, this is taking forever. <laughs> But but you you just have to do it. And and that there comes a point where it is worth it to hire somebody who can do that. And these people are way beyond me. They probably have tricks where they click one button. It does them all. I, I, Uh, their their services, they'll do it now. 
yeah, I, there's, that's one of those things I'm probably going to be learning. <laughs> um, I know we, we've got to run, but just uh, before you tell everybody where, where to find you, I was also wondering as far as um, for anything right now that is an extra driver for you or, or something that you feel the industry may. So t- I guess it's two thoughts. So let me, let me break it into two thoughts. So it's cleaner for you. <laughs> uh, first thought is uh, any driver that you think that is going to happen that people should start thinking, all right, this is coming. I need to think gas detector. And then the other thing is uh, what would be the most, oh, either damaging or or the biggest misconceptions that you see that's that's out there that you would like to, to correct with either gas monitoring or even confined space entry uh, that you've seen from all the training you've done. So just this is two thoughts, if you don't mind. Yeah, the first one of what's coming down the pike that we're going to need gas. Well, there's the um, what we were talking about earlier, the wireless, the, the uh, cloud-based gas monitoring. Yeah. That there's going to be a lot of people who do want that. There's going to be a lot of people who that's just an expensive thing for them and they just want to be compliant. Yeah. So they'll just go with the regular old four gas monitor or the four gas monitor with the pump for their guys to use. They just do it the old way. But um, um, there's going to be a lot of new hires. We know that across not not in public utilities they they really haven't gone offline much yeah. it's, uh, they, they've had to do what they got to do you know people still go into the restroom obviously mm-hmm. people still need gasoline or whatever but in a lot of areas there's going to be a lot of new hiring as soon as because COVID's starting to hopefully wind down it, it seems like it um but uh Yeah, while we're getting back on our feet, there's going to be a lot of new hires, and that means new gas monitors, and that means a lot of training. So you're going to have to, you know, and and not just confined space entry training. And that answers your second question. What's the biggest misconception? People think, okay, we got a whole bunch of new gas monitors. We got confined space entry training. Ta-da, we're done. Absolutely not. And the misconceptions are things like, if I turn it on, it's just going to protect me. If that light is flashing green, it means it's ready to go. Absolutely not. That's uh, that is the the biggest. That's the whole reason my company really exists. Is people are wise enough to know that, hey, I did confined space entry training. I got all this. I got this gas monitor for my guys, and they're going. How's this thing work? So. Yeah, that's that's where I come in. So that's, that's let's see other misconceptions. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think I've pretty much covered that. Those are the biggest ones that that jump out is that gas monitor or that confined space entry covers the gas monitor, and that the gas monitor when it looks and feels and sounds like it's working right is is ready to go. Not at all. All right. Now, I, I really appreciate the conversation. I know that we we, we switches from from originally what we were going to do, and I'm, I'm glad that you're able to 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 switch with me too. Uh, and that was just wonderful that you're available. So I appreciate it. And tell everybody how to get to you. Yeah, Sheldon, um, you can get to me by at at gasmonitorcompetence.com. 
gasmonitorcompetence.com. Uh, I am also at Jason. Well, I, I'll, I won't give my email because it's a different, it's a blanket. It's, a, it's an umbrella company. Um, but you can get me at the phone number 626 209 9644-626-209-9644. The easiest way is at the website, gasmonitorcompetence.com. And then, of course, I'm the YouTuber, the adventurous gas monitor guy. Yeah, so that means you guys got to like and subscribe. So, you know, as he starts building those those videos, you get to see not only the videos and gas detection, but the beautiful landscaping, too. Yeah, so, yeah. And I've done about 15 of them. I'm kind of running out of tips. So I've got to come <laughs> up with some new ideas. Yeah, then it'll come. Yeah, all of a sudden you'll be eaten and you're like, oh, I got it. <laughs> or you wake yes. up and you're like, yes, that's it. <laughs> yes. So no, I like thank you for, for being in the show. I really appreciate it, Jason. That was a wonderful conversation. Yeah, thanks, Sheldon, for having me. It was a pleasure. Well, welcome back to the episode. Hopefully you had some fun, like I did. I got to really talk to Jason, find out a lot about what his career was been like and uh, all the different places that he was at and truly just understanding a lot about you know, just more on the gas detector and some of the myths that even I didn't know. So it was really, really good getting a hold of him and, and talking with him. And I just want to remind you that we are moving to Disctopia.com. So Disctopia.com. So you would go to play.disctopia.com, D-I-S-C-T-O-P-I-A.com, and you look up the Safety Consultant with Sheldon Prima Show, and that's going to be our exclusive home. So that is one of the other big announcements. I mentioned it before. Uh, you'll still be able to, if you prefer listening on your device and being able to hear it through iTunes and all the other places, you'll still be able to do that. But I know a lot of people listen on their computer while they're at work and uh, they're used to going to my old site. So just want to let you know, you're going to have to go to disktopia.com and just look up Safety Consultant with Sheldon Primus and go ahead and listen to the episodes get through a few of them if you've missed a few go ahead and listen to those and i am going to also announce something well we did mention in the interview me and jason a little bit about something that is coming next week i am going to be just just like besides myself because i get to interview mr howard light who is the man who created those nice earplugs that we've had and even the dispenser unit that we use for occupational safety. You know, the kind where you got to roll up and tilt your head to the side or use your other hand to open up the ear canal and stick them in there. Yes, that is the same person I'm talking about. And if you are one of these people that like to shoot, uh, yeah, the... Uh, those, uh, I forgot the name of it, but he's got plenty of products. So, uh, Jason, we'll be back next week, I would imagine. If not, it's just going to be me and Mr. Howard Light. So you don't want to miss a minute of that, so make sure that you are going to find me on disctopia.com D-I-S-C-T-O-P-I-A.com And that is where I am going to move 
the Safety Consultant with Sheldon Primus podcast. All right, gang. Just come on. You got to be there. <laughs> and uh, if you are interested, I am going to be doing a couple more events coming up. One, I'm still trying to work out, trying to follow up on the last episode where I was talking about brokering a peace deal between people who believe in vaccine and people that do not believe in vaccines um, and see if we could just come to some sort of consensus for the betterment of safety. And then another thing I'm going to do is I'm working on future of OSHA, the Joe Biden era, and that's going to be a webinar. And it's not just a webinar. This is actually going to be a webinar slash social event. So you want to go to event.sheldonprimus.com, events.sheldonprimus.com. So that is where you're going to find my most recent events. So whenever I have anything up, you want to go there. And if you're interested in seeing any of our interviews, go to safetyconsultant.tv. You could physically go to safetyconsultant.tv on your website, or you could just open up your YouTube. Oh, not YouTube. Sorry. My bad. (laughs) It's going to be any of those uh, Roku, Fire TV, Apple TV, any of those. So that would be you going to the App Store and just going ahead and looking up Safety Consultant TV. You'll get on there, put in the code SC101, and you will get a month free. So you can actually see this interview. And actually, all interviews before they're released on podcasts, uh, well, I should say select interviews before they're released on podcasts, actually are released early on the Safety Consultant TV. And you get to see the, the guest instead of just hearing it. So it's kind of cool, too. All right, so I gave you guys a bunch to think of. And truly, I want to thank you for the time. I'd like to thank Jason for coming out and talking with us and telling us a little bit about himself and his business. Tell you guys to stay tuned for my interview with Mr. Howard Light next week. And we're going to talk about his invention and some of the other things that he's known for. So have yourself a great rest of the week. Go get him.